0: Welcome to AASHTO Resource Q&A. We're taking time to discuss construction materials, testing, and inspection with people in the know. From exploring testing problems and solutions, to laboratory best practices and quality management, we're covering topics important to you. Now, here's our host, Brian Johnson.
1: Welcome to AASHTO Resource Q&A. Today, we've got an FAQ episode. Kim, what are you going to ask me today?
0: Licensed PE Day is coming up next week, so I thought we would do a little FAQ regarding professional engineers and the requirements and everything. So, are you ready to dive into this?
1: I'm not so sure. Licensed PE Day does that? Does everybody have to give their PE a coffee mug or? Donuts or something.
0: You know, I'm not quite sure how you celebrate Licensed PE Day, but I thought our podcast could at least celebrate by giving it some attention. I don't know how you choose to commemorate the Licensed PE in your life, but I think that's what we can do here.
1: I think that's probably all that's called for.
0: (laughs) All right. No offense
1: to Steve, our resident PE.
0: Exactly. So let's go and just start at the very beginning. What is a Licensed PE?
1: Well, a professional engineer's license uh, requires a certain amount of education and experience as well as passing some very difficult exams to prove knowledge and competence in engineering. I have had many conversations with PEs who have talked about how challenging those exams are and some engineers that did not pass those exams. So there's a engineer in training exam, the EIT, that they have to pass and then uh, after they get some experience, they pat, they have to pass the professional engineer exam as well. That can be very challenging and it proves their their muster for being a professional engineer. So it is something that I I think should be recognized and revered for the the rigor and for the the challenges that come with it, and also for the professional responsibility of having a professional engineer's license.
0: So why is it important for laboratories to have a professional engineer on staff?
1: Well, it can be really important. A lot of it depends on the kind of work they're doing, though. So some authorities, local building departments, for example, may require a professional engineer to stamp certain test results to show uh, both that the engineer has signed off on those results. And by default, that would mean the activities that went into play to produce those results. So, you know, they're signing off on this as being accurate. And it also provides some accountability. So that person is saying they have confirmed that this is accurate and true. And if something goes wrong, they take professional responsibility for whatever happens.
0: And I know some standards that we accredit for require professional engineers and some don't. So what are some of the popular standards that actually require a professional engineer as opposed to just suggesting it?
1: Well, the big one is ASTM C-1077. That is a quality management system standard that is for concrete and concrete aggregate testing. That PE requirement has been discussed so many times over the years And I would say it's pretty close to a 50-50 split on whether or not that should remain in place because I think a lot of the jurisdictions are seeing less emphasis placed on having the PE stamp on some of those reports uh, than others. Now, the ones where the PE stamp is still required, they say, you know, why are we even questioning this? Uh, The PE should still be required for concrete testing because of the professional knowledge that's required, uh, the accountability, and one other aspect that I didn't mention before, the ethical obligation of the professional engineer. And it—and really, the PE license is supposed to provide some assurance of ethical responsibility. Now, I would say that people are people, and that cannot be assured by any sort of license. Uh, ethics As much as it would be great if you could be trusting all registered professional engineers to behave in an ethical manner, I think that the individual's behavior would need to be evaluated uh, to determine if that's correct. And there's also plenty of people who are not uh, registered professionals who are extremely ethical that I have encountered in my time as the manager of the accreditation program.
0: So why do some standards require it and some don't? What's the importance? You talked about the ethical responsibility, but that stamp of approval, why is that important in some tests and not important in other tests or standards? Yeah, I
1: think a lot of it goes with the whatever the building authorities want uh it really comes into play a lot for C1077 because, you know, concrete is a structural, you know, it's used on some roads, but a lot of times that's the uh, one of the central building blocks of any vertical construction you know it's in the foundation uh it's in the vertical structure itself you know bridges are, are a lot of times based uh, you know concrete is is a major building block of those as well and uh, it's it's a public safety issue that things are done the right way so having that professional responsibility and ethics hopeful assurance of ethics is really important when you're talking about public safety. So I mean, I, I kind of digressed when I got into ethics, but C-1077 is one of the standards that requires it. And, and another big one is E-329. That's an ASTM standard that's often used in vertical construction by a lot of building departments and re- requires a professional engineer unless the laboratory is – Strictly a quality control, like plant type laboratory at a quarry or concrete plant or some other sort of uh, production facility. And I think the intent of that is that there would be, because it's QC testing, somewhere there would be a QA testing firm that would then be on the hook for providing that professional engineer license.
0: That makes sense. So those are the two big ones. Is there any other ones in our program that? Require engineers?
1: A lot of the standards will say a PE or equivalent, and it'll have some language that allows for equivalency. Now, the ASHTO accreditation program in general is structured much like that, where you can have a uh, registered professional engineer or you can have somebody with equivalent education experience. Now, I mentioned all of the things that go into a PE. So, the equivalency is not judged based on other exams that they've passed. It's actually based on the the education and experience that the person has, uh, along with the other requirements that exist in the program. So, for to R18, there's a certain amount of experience that a, the technical manager has to have. So, we would look at that and determine if that is sufficient and if the person has enough applicable experience uh, to qualify for allowing that laboratory to maintain accreditation.
0: So what's the process for a laboratory that doesn't have a professional engineer for the ASTRO accreditation program? And so how do they get approved? What's that process like?
1: Okay. So what what happens is they, uh, let's say their first time laboratory and they're going through the process, they submit an initial accreditation Uh, review form. And and one of the questions on there is about that technical director technical manager. And let's say they submit somebody's information that is not a professional engineer. We would then, well, we also request the biographical sketch, which is like the the CV for that technical manager, and we'll review that. We've had years and years of decisions from our oversight committee chair on what equivalence is and we have been able to make most of those decisions on our own based on those past decisions so we can kind of handle that internally and i I review those myself the quality analyst does and if they feel it's good enough they'll send it forward to me and i will sign off on it now if there's one that's borderline or barely there or definitely not there we will then send that to the oversight committee chair for confirmation so then that oversight committee chair is also a registered professional engineer is also a state materials engineer for one of the departments of transportation and is well qualified to make that determination so that that is how the decision is made but i will say one thing about this sometimes people will say i want to be approved and they just randomly will send us their information i don't want to do that i that we only (laughs) we only want the information when it's relevant the laboratory's accreditation because I have a concern that they think it's something that it's not. Like we're somehow giving them a pretend PE license or some sort of authority. We're not doing that. This is strictly for the purpose of determining whether the laboratory can maintain accreditation with that person in charge. So we want to see that person in charge. We don't want to see a bunch of people. We just want to see the one person at that time.
0: That does make sense. And I think that's a good clarification because we don't want to put off the wrong thing necessarily or no, give the no. wrong impression that we're doing something that is actually not. So regarding professional engineers, is there anything else in the from the astro accreditations program standpoint that you want listeners to know about?
1: There is. We occasionally we get a question about whether or not the PE has to be registered in the state where the, the laboratory exists. We currently are not looking at that information to determine if that is the case. The terminology that is associated with ASTM C-1077 indicates that the work conducted in, in that jurisdictional authority or some language to that effect, the PE has to be licensed in that area. When someone is applying for accreditation, it's assumed that they are probably doing work where the laboratory exists, but it's not certain. For example, a city that is on a river, you know, like a a Kansas City, Missouri, the laboratory might be located on the Kansas side, but do all their work on the Missouri side? We don't know what they're doing exactly, and we don't really get into every single project that they're working on. So it would be hard for us to determine that. And really what would be more effective is if the building department or whatever the department is, you know, the jurisdictional authority was reviewing the credentials of the person, they would be able to make a better determination if that person is licensed where they need to be than we would. Uh, So we have kind of offloaded that part of the process to those authorities to make a proper decision so that we don't make a mistake and, and somehow make a wrong decision that negatively impacts that laboratory and their ability to do business where they do business.
0: That makes sense. Thank you very much for diving into this topic and ahead of License PE Day, which is next week. So hopefully everyone celebrates or commemorates how they see fit.
1: Yeah. So if you have a professional engineer on staff, let them know you appreciate their work and their effort and all the the stuff that went into them getting that PE license and keeping up with it. A lot of times we don't think about it. But it is a good time to maybe just give them a nod to recognize their accomplishment.
0: Thanks for listening to Ashto Resource Q&A. If you'd like to be a guest or just submit a question, send us an email at podcast at ashtoresource.org. or call Brian at 240-436-4820. For other news and related content, check out AASHTO Resource's Twitter feed or go to aASHTOResource.org.